0: We're going to get straight into the Word of God this afternoon. Why don't you turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. The title of my message here this afternoon is The Season of the Lion. The Season of the Lion. Amen. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. Back in 1955, December the 1st, 1955 to be exact, was a season where a nation was under great oppression. The African-American community of America were heavenly prejudiced. There was great injustice taking place. The segregation of blacks and whites. The majority of the blacks strong Christian men and women. And the injustice was coming unbearable and was about to come to a pinnacle. A lady under the name of Rosa Parks stood up one day on a bus where the segregation was between the coloreds and the whites and she refused to move. James Blake, the bus conductor at the time, forced her to move, to which she said no. She had had enough of the injustice, and she was standing up to make a change, to make a stand. They went and called the police, and she was arrested, and she was carted away to the authorities. Now this, would spark a great catalyst of change. She wasn't the first woman to stand up on one of those buses and stamp her authority and say, this is not right. Many women had previously done it, but this was a defining moment. This this was about to be the straw that would break the camel's back. In years to come, a young man named Reverend Martin Luther King would come to the fore. And God was about to use him as a mouthpiece and for the lion to roar to finally bring justice where there was an overwhelming sense of injustice. He rose up with the great speech, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up to live out its full creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that every man is created equal. I have a dream that on the hills of Georgia, former sons of slave workers and former slave workers' sons will one day sit down together at the table of fellowship with one another. I have a dream that even in the state of Mississippi, where there is a great heat of injustice and oppression that they will rise up and that place will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. We know the speech well, don't we? It brings goose pimples down the back of your neck every time you hear it because God is using that man, he is rising him up to bring overwhelming justice to that place. In Isaiah 53, 7, on the surface, there observes to be Jesus Christ in an overwhelming position of defeat, and I emphasize, it would appear from a natural perspective. In Isaiah 53, 7, it says these words, a prophecy of what was to come. He was oppressed and treated harshly, that he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open up his mouth. Now this sheep was identified, this lamb, John the Baptist saw coming toward him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. This Lamb, Jesus, came before John and said, baptize me. He said, no, 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 I'm not even worthy to, to tie your sandals. You should be baptizing me. He says, no, no, it is fitting that I fulfill all righteousness. The humility of the nature of the Lamb. John baptised him. We know that the dove descended upon him. But then the word states that Jesus was led out into the wilderness. Again, it would appear that this is an overwhelming time of oppression towards the coming Jesus. He was vulnerable. He was laid bare to the wild beasts of the desert plains. For 40 days and 40 nights he would not eat. He was hungry. He was weak. The enemy came to oppress him and to attack him, to force him into an element of compromise, but he stayed strong, but still he was weak, but still he was appeared to be in a position of overwhelming advance of oppression. He didn't deserve one bit of it, but he surrendered to the Father's will. He was on the back foot, so to speak, I don't know if you've ever felt on the back foot in your life, but I remember 22 years ago now. I was 18 years old and I was a young Royal Marines recruit. You could say that I felt like a sheep to the slaughter. The men there, my instructors, eight uh, former Falklands veterans, hardy, tough men, battled, hardened men, would take this young 18-year-old boy wet behind the ears and they would teach him something about manhood. They would try to wean him and break him to become the man that they needed him to be to serve on the front lines of the battlefield. I'll be honest with you, it was hard. I'll be honest with you, it was tough. I'll be honest, I was almost at breaking point. The oppression over me was overwhelming the psychological games they played on you, the physically I went to bed at night hurting in every part of my being. I didn't realize that parts of the body could hurt that much. I didn't know that I could emotionally be so flat and so down. This task above me was overwhelming. And I would lay there in bed and I would not sleep because I would fear with trepidation what the next day would hold. I was fearful at what imaginative games can these men come up with next to try and break me in the hope that they can make me. The fail rate was high. I was young. I was weak. I was naive in many areas. But this night, I laid in my bed, and I was sick to the core in feeling the way I was feeling. I was sick and tired of waking up in a place of defeat. It was as if the day would just come and hit me. And I laid there and I roared and I said, no more. Day, you are no longer coming for me. Day, from this day forth, I am coming for you. I rose up in that morning when my alarm went off. I ripped back my duvet and I said, come on. I'm going to come and attack you, I'm no longer going to be under you. I am the master of my destiny and I'm going to rise up and I'm going to begin to roar at the depths of my being. I did not look back from that day, but still they tried to break me, still they tried to oppress me and I was failing on every front, so I promise you, but I determined in my heart that I would keep going that if I was to fail, then they would fail me, I would not quit. And I was on my final warning to get kicked out because I kept on failing at every hurdle. And the commanding officer pulled me into his office and he said, hey, listen, Sonny Jim, it's not looking very good for you. I'm your last port of call. If I deem that you are going to fail, then you're out of here. There's no more chances for you. Why should I let you continue with this process? What is it about you that you think you warrant the coveted Green Beret and to come a Royal Marines commander? I didn't have an answer. I didn't have an answer. But something rose up inside me and I said, because I believe I can do it. And I believe I can do it. And he said, what do you need? I said, I just want a chance. Just give me a chance. I remember him stepping up from behind his desk and he walked up to me and he said, you see my boy, there's still fire in you and that's the fire that I want to see. Now you get out my office and you go get yourself your green beret. And I said, come on, let's go. There was a roar in my heart. Come on. I never looked back. You've got a roar in the heart. Jesus has got us in a mission, and he wants us to roar. Something rose up inside me. Something is rising up inside of you too, wherever you know you need the lion to roar. Where do you feel like a lamb to the slaughter in your life right now? Where do you feel downcast? Where do you feel oppressed? Where do you feel there's an overwhelming sense of injustice? Have you been wrongly accused? Do you feel tripped up at every turn? Do you feel like a sheep to the slaughter? Do you feel disheartened and encouraged when you look around at the state of society? When you see politicians no longer listening to the church? when you see the Bible not taught in our schools, when you see Christianity kicked out of family units, where all that we proclaim is deemed as stupid, we're seen to worshipping the Rupert the Bear God who has no power and is just an imaginary friend to make ourselves feel better. Do you feel humiliated? When you try and proclaim the gospel and say, listen, there's life after death, you need to hear the word of God and you get told you're nothing but a scaremonger, and you're nothing but intolerant to other religions, when you stand on the word of God that says, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and you stand to it, and you felt like you were told that you were nothing but prejudice. Do you feel downcast? Where do you feel oppressed? Do you feel like the church has no power? Do you feel that Christianity is being washed down the Thames, and that our voice is like a whisper in a storm. I've got a message for you here this afternoon, Kensington Temple, don't you believe it for a second. You wait, you hold tight, and you watch because the lion is about to roar, amen? I used to have a poem pinned to the back of my bed in military training that said, do not quit. The men gathered around and they scratched out the, 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 uh, the, the knot and put, do quit. <laughs> but I read it every day and it went something like this. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high You want to smile, but you have to sigh When care is pressing you down a bit Cry if you must, but don't you quit Because success is failure turned inside out So stick to the fight when you are hardest hit It's when things feel worse that you must not quit Success is failure turned inside out. Now, if there was a picture of Christ Jesus appearing to be a lamb to the slaughter, it would appear to be, from a natural perspective, a place of defeat. Let me tell you, things were about to be turned inside out because the attribute of Jesus Christ as the lamb is only half the story. The rest of the pages about to come to the fore. Christ Jesus is led out of the wilderness, the word states, yes, he would have been hurting. Yes, he would have been scorched by the sun. Yes, he would be tired emotionally, physically, and spiritually, but the word says he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lamb's was, attribute was about to seamlessly slide behind the attribute of the Lion of God, behind the Lion of Judah. It was about to take a back seat and the new attribute of Christ as the Lion was about to come to the fore. The tide was beginning to turn. Jesus pulled back the duvet and said, Here I come this is my time this is my moment Christ Jesus in that moment roared with power demons were cast out demons ran before him and said master what are you doing before our time why do you come to persecute us before our time leave us be Come out of them in the name of Jesus. Supernatural healings took place. People cured of leprosy. The blind eyes were seeing, the deaf were hearing. He was breaking natural laws as the power of the living God began to invade into situations. He cleared out the church because it wasn't being used to worship the living God, but it was used for man's own means to line their pockets and self-glorification. He went to the religious people of the day, the Pharisees, and he put them in order and said, you, stop putting a yoke around people's necks that you yourselves cannot even carry. You religious spirit, get behind me. Stop bringing oppression to my people. The righteous and the unrighteous, they were dressed down. He came to bring a line in the sand for truth to prevail. God, God was bringing justice. God was liberating the oppressed and the hurt. You could say that the season of the lion had come and he was roaring. Where do you need to roar in your life right now? Where do you need to pull back the duvet? Where do you need to turn success inside out? There's one thing for certain. We must rise up and roar for righteousness. We must roar for breakthrough in our lives. We must roar for breakthrough in our uh, communities. We must roar for no compromise in our life. Regardless of how things appear in the natural, we must rise up and say no in the supernatural. We must roar for the lost souls of this nation. We must roar for the poor. We must roar for the injustice. We must roar for those who are perishing. We must roar for those who are not hearing the word of the living God. We must roar for love and grace. We must roar for Christ to be heard in the highways and the byways. We must roar for the values of this nation to be stayed and remain steadfast to every aspect of our life and living. We must roar to be used for a vessel for change and transformation. Wherever God has uniquely placed you, in your families, in your workplace, wherever you are, you must rise up and we must rise up as a church and we must roar the values of the living God. Because let me tell you, Galatians 6-7 says... Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And we want to be on the right side of the roar. Believe you me. But listen, this is only really a part of the tale. This is only really a part of the tale. If the attribute of the lamb is half the story and maybe the lion brings the other percentage of the story there's a key overarching essence that is still missing that we need to fully grasp and that the disciples were about to grasp and when we grasp this truth it will have a catalytic effect in our lives and ministry it's grasping the fear and reverence of the living God, which will breed courage in our lives to roar where we feel like we cannot roar. It's the roar when we rise up with oppression and injustice of Luther. It's the roar and the strength and the courage of Rosa Parks who stood up on that bus that day to say, no, I don't care about the the impact. I care about the influence that I must have in life for this time, for this season. A line will be drawn in the sand. You see, Jesus, after doing these great signs, wonders and miracles and roaring across the the land, still the disciples, those he gathered around them to walk with them, they said, he said to them, listen, who do you say that I am? And they said, well, um, some say that you're just another prophet, Uh, some even say that you're Jeremiah. But he turns and says, but who do you say that I am? By the inspiration of the Spirit, Peter rose up and roared and said, You're the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. Jesus takes James, he takes John, and he takes Peter and he leads them up to a mountain. This mountain would be called the Mount of Transfiguration. And when they were up there, suddenly the full story was about to be unveiled. Jesus was transformed. His face shone. And a cloud descended around the hill. And fear struck that place. The disciples fell at their feet in trepidation, the word states. Jesus invaded and revealed himself entirely of who he truly was. He was the son of the living God. Now briefly they thought he may have just been Elijah or John the Baptist, Jeremiah, another prophet. But now the full picture is revealed that this Jesus Christ, this lamb, this lion was in fact the living God. Jesus, in fitting with the will of the Father, then goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's about to transition. He's about to transition again and more seamlessly back into more the role or the attribute of the Lamb in fitting with the will of the God. And he goes into the garden of Gethsemane, his time is short now. He already knows what is about to take place. In fulfilling with the prophecy of Isaiah 53, he would become the lamb to the slaughter. But not before this transition was still in flux. As the lamb began to seamlessly transition behind the image. Or the lion begin to transition behind the lamb. And Roman soldiers and the Pharisees went to find Jesus, to arrest him, to go and crucify him. And then they said, Jesus steps forward and says, who is it you're looking for? And he said, Jesus the Nazarene. And he steps forward and says, I am he. And the word says they fell down and back and on the floor. The power still vibrating through Jesus Christ, the living God. In that moment, you must understand that these Roman soldiers are hardened soldiers. They're trained not just to fall over on the ground. These are hardened men. Probably some of the best soldiers a sign to go get a hold of this Jesus who was causing, in their eyes, mayhem. But such was the presence of God that just at his words, I am he, they fell under the power of God. Peter goes and gets his sword to defend Jesus and he cuts off one of the Pharisees' servants' ears. And Jesus says, No, 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 Peter. No, 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 no. Listen. This isn't a battle of the flesh. This isn't a battle of man's sword. This is the battle of the spirit. This is the battle of the sword of the spirit. The double-edged sword of power and of love. And I need to spend a little bit more time with you, Peter, for you to become a man of grace and to minister with the power of the sword of love and power. The defining moment. They fell back under this presence. But eventually, Jesus would submit as he morphed back into more of the attribute of the Lamb. And he said, take me. He's in full control. He knows what's taking place. And he goes and stands before Pilate. And Pilate says, why do you not answer me back when I speak to you? Why why don't you make an account uh, for yourself? Do you not know? That I have the power to crucify you or to let you live? And Jesus steps up and says, You only have the power to which my Father in heaven allows you to have. You see this fear. You see this courage. This fear of God. This this reverence for him. Built courage. Courage. Jesus, a man of courage. But this is the most important aspect. Remember that when you are weak, it's then that he is strong. Now you may feel that right now in your life, you feel like it's more of a life of maybe the attribute of a lamb. You feel downcast. You feel pressed down. But underneath that, you just remember that there is the nature of the lion roaring that will give you the courage to be that lamb in its season. But you see here, this is where our hope and confidence lies. It's in that very nature, it's in that very attribute. You see, the more I study and search the scriptures about the nature of the lion and nature of the lamb, they're inseparable. They're not two separate attributes. They are so interwoven that you just cannot separate them. You see, there may be a season where the attributes may appear to be more dominant than the other but ultimately, they're both in harmony and synergy with one another. When the, it would appear that the nature of the lamb is more prominent, remember interwoven right behind all of that is the nature and the roar of the lion. That brings us courage to be the lamb in that season. Just when Christ Jesus was in Gethsemane, he was transitioning back Or he stood before Pilate as the lamb to the slaughter. What gave him the courage and confidence to stand up there was knowing that the lion, the living God, lived inside him. And he had the power to say, you don't have the authority over me. I have full trust in my living God that nothing will happen to me without his say so for as long as I stay rooted by him I only do what I see my father doing he was fulfilling his mandate and will man had no power over him he was fully in control as he put his faith in the living God and in like manner where you may be where you might see or may you where you may feel that it's more the season of a lion for you that right behind the power to be the fullness of that lion is the attribute of the lamb because that attribute of the lamb is submissive that attribute of the lamb is humble and it's yielding to the will of the father and it's that that gives the power to the roar because you are trusting in the arm of the spirit the sword of the spirit and not in the arm of the flesh they are inseparable he is the lion and he is the lamb it just may appear that various seasons and times in history and in church and in your life that there is an ebb and flow as we flow to the spirit's will of when we are the lamb Or when we are the lion. You see, you can look around in society a little bit at the moment, or life of the church, and you could feel from a natural perspective that we're in the season of the lamb. I can't see the lion roaring in the magnitude that we've seen him roar before across this nation and across rivals across the world. At every turn, it feels like Christianity is being cut off at the knees. We're being silenced and we're being oppressed. New laws that are being passed that are just so anti-Christ. But listen, that's the Father's will. And when we hold tight, we will come into the right season when he wills and when he needs. We just need to be sensitive and submissive to that. Let me ask you, what season of your life are you in today? Let me ask you, what season is our nation in collectively as the body of Christ right now? Back in June 1940, you could say that Britain looked like a lamb to the slaughter. The advance of Germany was powerful. Sweeping across Europe, it had just taken mainland France and their next stepping stone was to take the United Kingdom. Winston Churchill, a man that God was about to use to roar in this nation, and bring them together. But not before King George the Sixth and Winston Churchill called this nation to a day of prayer. And the nation did pray. The churches were full. We fell on our knees as a nation and we said, Come, Heavenly Father, come. We are like a lamb to the slaughter right now. The advance is strong. And Winston Churchill stood up in the House of Commons and he gave the famous speech, we shall not surrender. He said, we shall go on to the end. We shall fight them in France. We shall fight them on the oceans and the seas. We shall fight them on the beaches. We shall fight them with growing confidence in the air. We shall fight them with growing confidence and strength. We shall defend our island no matter what the cost. We shall fight them on the beaches. We shall fight them in the hills and the streets. We shall fight them in the hills. We shall never surrender. And it galvanized a nation. It unified them together. It said that every Brit should learn that off by heart. Winston Churchill reportedly turned to another MP after he gave that speech. And he said, if need be, we'll fight them with bottle ends. Because quite frankly, that's all that we have. They knew they're on, the, on their knees. But they trusted in something far superior. And this is when the nation began to roar. They attribute the great victory. They attribute the defense of this island. And then the kickback against the German opposition down to the living God who broke through for this nation. Do you know that from that point, they made it a rule that Christianity will be taught in the schools? Such was the faith that God had come through for Britain because they put their whole trust in it. At the back of my office at Summit House, somebody sent me many years ago a prophecy that I have pinned to the back of my chair to remind me of it. And it says this, the glory has departed from the lion, but the glory of the Lord of hosts shall return and the lion shall roar again. Glory. Isaiah 59 speaks about God coming in like a, like a flood. It speaks of him rising up to standard, to a standard. It's a picture of a great flood of opposition. It speaks of a great flood of oppression. It speaks of a great flood of injustice. It speaks of a great flood of, of tyranny. But Isaiah 59 said that God will rise up as standard. It's a picture of him rising up his soon army and pushing back the powers of oppression and opposition. We want to see Christ back in our schools, don't we? We want to see him rise up as standard. We want to see Christ's values back at centre, front and rear of our nation again. We want to see our churches full of praising the living God with revelation of truly who He is. Yes, the great lamb sacrificed for you and I, but also the roaring lion of Judah and most significantly the living God, the creator of the heavens and earth. We want to see the power of God rise up to standard and flood your workplace, to flood our families, to flood the highways and we want it to see it flood the byways. Kensington Temple, we're calling us all to a time of prayer and fasting as we come towards our Easter conference as we remember the time when Christ Jesus gave his life for us upon that cross. We want to take the attribute of the lamb to fully surrender to him just like this nation did back in 1940s in the Second World War and say, Father, we cannot do it. We've tried to roar in our own strength. We've pulled up our own sword to try and win the battle. But Lord, unless the Lord build the house, the labourers labour in vain. Father, it's not by might nor but by power, but it's by your spirit and your spirit alone that is going to bring the victory in your life, that is going to bring a victory to society around us. Because when we surrender and we lay down with the Lamb, The attribute of the lion can begin to rise up through us and through our church and through this nation, and he can begin to roar again. Can I just ask the musicians to come back right now, please? The lion and the lamb, so interwoven with one another, they're inseparable. But the power of the roar of the lion is the vulnerability and the humility of the lamb. And the power to the lamb is the attribute of the lion of Judah right behind it. They are inseparable. Now you may feel that we are in a season of the lamb. You may feel like you're in the season of a lamb right now, but your strength to persevere is in the knowledge of the lion of Judah that lives inside you. It's that to which we surrender to. And let me tell you, the more we yield to him, the more the lion is going to rise up and we will enter a season of the lion we're going to see him roar, we're going to see him roar and let me tell you, you want to be on this side of the roar and not on the other side of the receiving end of that roar because I'm not talking about a roar of a cuddly lion down in London Zoo, I'm not talking about the roar of Aslan that you see in the children's cartoon character if we could only fully grasp it. If only we could really fully grasp the magnitude and the power of the living God. And that's hard. That's hard. Even the disciples who walked with Jesus, who saw him roar, who saw him do the great signs and miracles and wonders that he did, raising the dead to life, healing the sick, healing the blind, restoring the deaf, supernatural miracles, even they, when asked, who do you say that I am? Still, still hadn't fully grasped that he was the living God until they had the privilege of standing on that mount of transfiguration. And when that cloud of heaven descended and said, this is my son, listen to him. Jesus took on board the nature or attribute of a lamb in a perceived place of weakness, but in the position of the greatest strength this world will have ever seen and will ever see. Because he was about to die on that cross for yours and I sin, past, present and future and for the whole of mankind, past, present, and future. It's the power of the living God. It's just a supernatural revelation of who He is, what He is all about. He is fully in charge. He has everything in the palm of His hand. We must, just wholly surrender to him because blessed is the poor in spirit we surrender and we say Father have your will some people here are tired of fighting in your own strength we're not seeing the breakthroughs that you desire in your life because we must learn the attribute of the lamb first and that attribute is to surrender But then comes the strength and power. First Christ Jesus had to surrender. Behold the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. But then he rose up with the roar of power. We cannot get to the place of power and the roar we're needing in our life until we come to the place of the Lamb and surrender. Jesus, only you can truly open up our eyes and reveal to the depths of our spirit your true nature. But when we truly grasp the reverential fear of the living God, when we truly come face to face with you, we will healthily fall to our feet in absolute trepidation and absolute fear Fear, just like John did. And he fell down with fear in Revelation one seventeen. But you said, don't be afraid. I am the first and I am the last.